1: This is the Great Chat Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have our latest edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of all of the action happening throughout the Division I college tennis world. On today's show, we're going to break down the past week in Division One women's college tennis. But before we do that, I have to offer a massive thank you on behalf of myself, Daniel Westhoff, Dalton Thieneman. Obviously, it has been quite a ride for us here at Crack Rackets the past two weeks. I had the chance to get on the road, head to Madison for the Division I Women's National Indoor Championships. Did the same thing for the men this past weekend in Seattle. We had eight days of fantastic broadcast on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. And again, on behalf of our entire Crack Rackets team, we want to thank all of you out there in College Tennis Nation for tuning in. The support we've received, it's meant so much to us. It's been the fuel that's kept me going. I'm not a coffee guy. I deal in compliments. As as long as the ego is healthy, I'll stay awake. And let me just say, it is healthy coming out of these past two weekends. All the players, coaches who are willing to deal with my nonsense. Obviously, Mike Cation, Mark Bay, yourself, John, uh, Max Sakoyak, Chris halioris who gets way too much grief from me throughout these events. Obviously, you guys think I have a h- tough job being on the broadcast for 13 hours. Imagine Daniel Westhoff, who is not only managing a broadcast, but then every 45 seconds, get a direction from me. Split screen, go to three, go to six. He does at all. Uh, obviously, a huge thank you to all of you for your support to the ITA for the opportunity as well. It meant the world to us uh, to get that opportunity, obviously, as we want to raise the platform of College Tennis Broadcast, how exceptional of a product it always is. And we certainly got the chance to do that these past two weekends. So again, thank you to all of you for tuning in. With that said, it's time to turn the page. And now we get into the meat and potatoes of the college tennis dual match season. And of course, this past weekend, we had our first dare I say normal post indoors weekend of the season that is what we are going to break down on today's show and to help me do that as always is the man you turn to when you're talking college tennis of course you know him as your co-favorite writer on our website crackrackets.com founder of the no ad no problem blog it is my friend John J. Parsons I should say leader of of the Cracked Rackets YouTube chat room. It is my friend, John J. Parsons. Jay, welcome back to the show. Hey, great chat. How are you doing today?
0: Well, there were certainly a few people coming for that title over the weekend, (laughs) um, which was exciting. It was exciting to have everybody in the chat. Um, I guess I should have kept retweeting all of the compliments you got just to ensure you had enough fuel to get us through the rest of the show and then you can crash. Um, and then you can pick it back up for Thursday, but no, I'm, I'm doing well. You're right. This was the first weekend post indoors. So while you were on the broadcast, I had the broadcast over here, the live scores for the women's matches over here, trying to keep us um, all up to date on all the happenings, but college tennis is in full swing and it's super exciting.
1: I, I mean, I, Uh, That's the thing I may be most jealous about. I know things are crazy when Westhoff's chatting me and saying, hey, man, I know you got to focus on the broadcast, but you got to see this chat. And yeah, I appreciate you tweeting out Blaze Bicknell confirming he will not be playing this year for Tennessee in our Crack Rackets YouTube chat. Breaking news in the chat. That's what it's all about. And a shout out to you again. I appreciate you stirring the pot every so often, as you always do, and just keeping everyone uh, engaged in the match because obviously that's what we're trying to do here. But as you pointed to, we have plenty of fun women's college tennis to talk about on today's show, a couple of top five teams going head to head, people from the national indoors, bouncing back, momentum shifts, all those sorts of things. Of course, before we do that, a shout out to our friends at Swing Vision for their support of us here at Crack Rackets. For those of you who don't know, Swing Vision leading innovations happening on court technology, their artificial intelligence for your tennis truly will take your game to the next level. You get the app, you set up your phone on a back fence whenever you go and hit. It's going to break down your game for you, show you the forehands, the backhands, the misses, the makes, the things you need to improve on. You can learn more about them today by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. If you go there, you're going to be sold. Use our promo code CRACK20 when you make that purchase. Not only will you get a $20 discount, you'll let them know we sent you there. You'll get a 14-day pro trial. Thank you to our friends at Swing Vision for their continued support of The Deciding Point and all of our efforts here at Cracked Rackets. With all that said, let's get into this week's breakdown. And again, the place we have to start, if you've got a top five matchup on our hands, you're going to lead the show. And that's what we had in Austin, Texas, as defending NCAA champions, Texas, coming off of probably a disappointing National indoors, if we're being honest, no disrespect to this Texas team, who's obviously extraordinarily young, their oldest player on the roster is a sophomore. But, you know, if you would have told them they went two and one, but didn't make the semifinals, I'm sure that would have surprised the members of the roster heading into the event. And so, you know, this was when we had circled as they faced a semifinalist at the National Indoors and maybe the hottest team at the start here. You're one of the three, North Carolina, Oklahoma, NC State, to start this 2022 season. And again, it's NC State continuing to rock and roll here at the start of the year. The Wolfpack earning a 4-3 win over Texas. They take another decisive doubles point, getting 6-1 victories at the number two and three double spot. Then ultimately, again, it's the players we saw succeed for them at the National Indoors. Doors. Abigail Renschelli handed Elizabeth Scotty of North Carolina her only loss in Scotty's four days of competition. She earned a three and four victory over Kylie Collins freshman Priska Negrojo, who Mike Cation predicted will be an all-American this season. Two and one over Charlotte Shivatapon and then Sophie Abrams. Four and three over Vivian and Vrutsky. Again, ultimately it was four-three. They played all of these matches out. Peyton Stearns with a very nice three-set win over Jada Daniel in the end, particularly given the circumstances. But this NC State team has found a pathway to four, and it starts at doubles. And just given the depth in college tennis, the team that takes the 1-0 doubles point lead, their life is just going to be that much easier this season. That's what NC State does.
0: Yeah, I mean, you said the doubles point was decisive. Uh, We should double down on that, right? It was two 6-1 victories, and I believe two and three doubles over a team that had the NCAA double finalists last year in Kylie Collins and Lulu Sun, a team that had played extremely good doubles all of last season. So we saw NC state, how well they were in doubles, how aggressive they were in doubles and that's paying off. And you see that carry through in singles as well. I think what was most interesting to me about this result one, it's great that we're getting a rematch of the NCAA semifinal last year that Texas won 4-0. But just the growth of Jada Daniel, uh, uh, Abigail Ranchali has been really impressive, right? And you look at people like Kylie Collins and Charlotte Shavathopan haven't quite made that jump to two and three that I think we expected them to. And looking back on that match at the 2021 NCAAs, uh, Charlotte Shavathopan beat Jada Daniel handily in straight sets. Kylie Collins was up a set and... I believe 5253 five, until uh Renchali evened it up at 5 all in the second but Collins was probably going to win that match and so you look at the growth that you know Jada Daniel and Renchali have have comparatively to their peers and it's extremely remarkable what they've been able to do and then to bring in some of these additions like Negro, who and some of the transfers just to fill out the rest of the lineup i mean what more can you say other than this is an NC State team that's one of the best in the country and
1: still missing their number 1 player yeah, they're top five. That's exactly it. And they're still without Alana Smith. And we saw a switch in the doubles lineup, right? Jada Daniel, Mel Miller played well enough to go up to that number one spot. That's not disrespectful to Rejeki and Ren who are also good enough. And But you see them respond to that. They're at the number two double spot. They earn a 6-1 victory. And then, you know, what Negroho and Sarah Nair have done at that number three spot as well, uh, another 6-1 win for them. They've dropped one doubles point. And that was their one loss on the season to North Carolina, a match where there was a still a five minute stretch where you thought, Oh my God, they're going to win this match. And yeah, they go on the road and deal Texas. According to our friend, Scotty B, their first loss in Austin since the 2019 round of 32 to Texas A&M. And, you know, again, I still always feel the need to point out how young this Texas team is. and to your point, Jada Daniel, Abigail Richelli, the jumps they've made for Daniel, it's a little bit different because she's a fifth year. Yeah. and for her to make that jump, she has just seen everything there is to see in college tennis and you see that manifesting itself this year. The jump for Ranchelli has been something else. and that's just again, that's the sort of thing that can, that you need to have happen when you're down in Alana Smith and down in Anna Rogers from last season and then, you know, Negrojo has been that exceptional. You know, one loss for her, Riley Tran played a, a fantastic match in the semifinal. And there were so many deuce points in that match that just happened to go Riley Tran's way. Outside of that, like, do you, you know, again, I feel like you pick Negrojo at number three in just about every match that she plays. And should Alana Smith be healthy by the end of the year, you move her down to four because I don't think Daniel or has done anything to make you think they deserve, you know, Negrojo deserves to jump them. Like this NC State team just has options. Yeah, I mean, that would be
0: wild if she plays four. But again, I mean, she was without a boot. Um, So we've seen her without a boot. So she's clearly making progress, which is good to see. I'll swerve a little bit with you on the Renchali-Daniel take. I actually think Jada Daniel's jump is more impressive than Renchali. She came in. Really good freshman. She's having that sophomore jump that you see from a lot of players who have a full year in college. I'm not sure we see that sort of jump that we've seen from Jada Daniel this season in their fifth year. Sure, she's seen everything, right? But she was playing four last season. She's now established herself as one of the top players in the country to do that in your fifth season. Uh, typically, you see that sort of level level off, um, for lack of better term. So both super impressive, but for me in
1: different ways. Fair. Yeah. On the flip side, you look for Texas. I don't want to say this is a disappointing loss because in the end, it's ultimately 4-3. Now, I know at the time of the clinch, you know, uh, it, it, Jada, Daniel, Payton, Stearns are battling in the third set. Alt- ultimately, Stern wins that match. So if you want to say technically it was 4-2, though, that's fine. They play this match really close. Again, they they got blitzed in doubles and the same thing kind of happened to them against Oklahoma in the quarterfinals. My response to that would be, this is a young team like I just am going to keep pressing that button. And yeah, Charlotte Chavatapan is struggling. There's no denying that she's lost, what, four matches this season. That's quadruple what she lost last year. Collins has been fine at two. Like, I don't think she's been bad. A lot of not finishes. She hasn't been dominant at that number two spot. But it, to me, it's just everyone's getting acclimated to that next position.
0: Yeah, and I guess, you know, the when you compare it to some of these other teams who have just made really big jumps like an NC State, like an Oklahoma, it feels a little bit lackluster. But you're right, in a vacuum, moving up from four and five where uh, Collins and Shavathban were playing or Shavathban and Collins, like – that's going to take some, some acclimation, like you said. So I think giving some grace there makes sense, but I do think if you were to say at the beginning of the season, Hey, Texas is probably going to struggle a little bit and where they're going to struggle is at doubles. And with Collins and Shabbat bon, you're going, Oh, that's probably not the recipe that I thought it would be. I thought it would be maybe these, some of these new additions, um, you know, don't, don't click. Um, So I think that's probably a little bit more of the concerning part for me that it's coming from Shavath bon and collins and not, you know, hey, Uvrutsky and Zainalova just aren't clicking. But ultimately we've seen what they can do in college. And, uh, you know, you have to believe in
1: three months, they'll be at least where they were last season. No, see, I would disagree there. Zainalova with the impressive 0-1-1 win over Nell Miller. I mean, again, that's what you want out of your freshman and Rappalu at six needs to, I don't want to say again, Mike Cation has removed the L word lock from my vocabulary, but Rappalu at six, you feel very confident about going into every match and Sheeran's a pretty decisive win over a Jackie on the day as well. Look again, NC state's a top five team, right? You're at, you're testing your freshman against the very best competition right away. But what I really want to see You know, Oklahoma State's very good. We'll talk about them a little bit later. Texas Tech's very good. Baylor and just, you know, Iowa State, all these challenges this year in the Big 12. I want to see how this Texas team competes against those teams because last year they blitzed through the Big 12. If they do that again this season, you feel just as confidently about them heading into the NCAA tournament as anyone, but the level of competition's raised this year. And so, I don't know, final thoughts on this one? Well, I mean, Big 12 is back, right? We'll
0: talk about this uh, a little bit more. And then also Texas continues the tough test, right? We'll talk about what they have up on the horizon in the short term, even before they hit the Big 12 calendar later
1: on in the episode. So, you know, we will continue to to see Texas get tested. Yeah, well, you say Big 12 is back. Let's talk about Oklahoma now, who earns a 4-0 victory over USC and Again, for Oklahoma, who ultimately makes the national indoor final. And, you know, they've lost one match on the season. It's to North Carolina. So many good wins already on the year. They are another one here over USC. And it's the way they did it. 6-1, 6-1 again in doubles. This time it's one and one from the Corleys, who were your most uh, all-tournament team selection at the national indoors. Ivana Corley, your most outstanding player. Another 1-6-1 victory for them over Ewing and Han. Then Sleeth and Pisareva. 6-1 6-1 victory over Cayetano and Piper. You look at the wins they earn. Staker, 1-0 at six singles. Pisareva, 1-0 at five singles. Sleaf, 1-4 over Cayetano. This is a USC team that's absolutely going to be in the mix for a top 16 seed. And it is still worth mentioning, they're playing without Naomi Chung, right? So that is a massive loss in their lineup because she is someone who, at her best, will be a contributor. No doubt about that. But that's a Blitz. Like, that's an absolute blitz by the Sooners. Yeah, I mean, they lost nine games
0: overall to get their four points. They lost two two games in doubles and not seven in singles. I mean, it was a complete rout. And, you know, I thought Oklahoma would win this match. Uh, USC has struggled. They've struggled indoors particularly. But... I mean, the dominant fashion in which they did it was super impressive. And I mean, we, you know, we might talk a little bit later about Cayetano struggles, but to sleep, to get those victories. And we saw at the indoors, right? This there, there is strength throughout this Oklahoma lineup, but where they start to really flex their muscle is at four, five, six. I mean, Pisa Rivas looks so strong. Emma Staker, she's probably got maybe coach Cohen gave her one day off <laughs> after indoors and now she's back. But Uh, I mean, just the strength of this lineup at the bottom and in doubles is very similar to NC State. I mean, these two schools are very much in lockstep in terms of doubles, bottom of the lineup, both without a key contributor due to injury. Both of those key contributors out of boots now. So um, there's a lot of similarities, but overall, I was super impressed with Oklahoma. And shout out to the Sooner fans biggest crowd in program history coming well-deserved coming off of their national indoor finals. I mean, that's what you love to see as a college tennis fan, just different programs around the country, starting to engage fan bases.
1: I thought that was really exciting to see. I would also add, go look at the Twitter engagement on those posts, because obviously the broader context, USC, Oklahoma, Lincoln, Riley, the head football coach for Oklahoma leaves for USC. Mm. It got nasty in the DMS Jay, like (laughs) again, probably the most interacted college tennis posts I've ever seen. If I'm the tennis coaches, I'm scheduling that every year. I'm milking that (laughs) rivalry for all it's worth. Why not? Who cares? Like you want the energy, you want the excitement. We saw that for Oklahoma and Yeah, to your point, it's the way they're winning. And I watch them play doubles. And like, it's just NC State's doubles conventionally, and this may be my most conservative thought, makes sense. Like, I get it. They move forward. They want to serve in volley. They're taking first forehands and getting into the net. It's pinching and crossing and all these different things I form. That's a traditional level of success in doubles. That's not Oklahoma. And I'm not saying the Corleys don't get aggressive. I'm not saying the Corleys don't poach. And I'm not saying all their teams don't do that. But it's just it's slice and dice and it's, oh, I, yeah, I fired up bump lobs, but I'm just as capable of poaching at the net when the opportunity comes. It's just very point by point uh, for them as more as less of, a, you know, these principles. It's not the skinning the cat the same way in every point. And yet they're having, you know, again, have they dropped the doubles point this season? I don't think so. You know, wins over Duke and Texas and UNC and Pepperdine. They're just doubles point after doubles point after doubles point. And then, yeah, your freshmen get better at the bottom of the lineup. It's just like, wait for May, wait for Guzman. If they hadn't lost to UNC, they would be your number one team in the country, but UNC beat them. So UNC's number one. It's going to be interesting to see, by the way, with how many ranked wins they have, where the math shakes out there when the first computer polls come out this week. But, yeah, I mean, again, on the flip side, you look for USC who drops their match? You know, drops this match against uh, against Oklahoma four zero, and then drops a four one decision against Oklahoma State as well. Although I think that match was closer than a four one scoreline may indicate on the surface. Where are you right now with the Trojans? Even considering again, no Naomi Chung.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like we ask this question every week, right? <laughs> and last week it was like, are they going to go two and one and one, zero and two, and and I had them at zero and two, and that's how it panned out. This was worse than I expected, just in terms of the scoreline. If USC isn't getting victories at one and two, which they didn't uh, in either of these matches, they are not going to win matches. Um, And so I think that this team couldn't be more excited to to move outdoors. Right. I mean, worth noting that both of these matches were indoors, but we'll see. I mean, they're still going to be ranked pretty decent you know they have those wins over miami and baylor which will carry them particularly in the first few ranking iterations but you know things are things are going to get tough um and with the with the Pac 12 there's only so many wins that you get right it's not like a sec or even a big 12 where you have you know eight teams it feels like who are going to be top 30 so Uh, We'll see with USC, but, um, you know, their margins for victory are, are slim and they just feel like they keep getting slimmer.
1: Yeah. No, again, it's, it's interesting because it's an old team with young pieces and it's just, you know, again, for Snow Han, who was on the roster last year, but didn't really get to play. She's still getting acclimated and obviously with Piper and Mora, you're still having new pieces that you're working in. You're still waiting for Naomi Chung to come back by no means. Am I hitting the panic meter, you know, the panic button, but That Pac-12 is going to be a rat race, whether it's, you know, again, UCLA needing victories now, Cal maybe needing some victories now, USC, Stanford, obviously. I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by the Pac-12. And with that in mind, let's talk about UCLA, who bounced back in perhaps the biggest way uh, this past week. They dropped the doubles point. Six singles victories against Cal, who it's worth mentioning was without Kaya Weersholm, but still for this UCLA team who, you know, drops a match to LMU uh, before the national indoor kickoff weekend and then loses uh, during the kickoff weekend to Washington for them to get the victory in particularly the way they did it. Forbes one in one over Giovara. Bolton three and two over El Sola, who moved up to the number two spot. You also had Vagramov with the four and two win at the top three. So the veterans deliver the straight set victories. And then again, it was Hance at four and uh at six. They swept. They swept the singles. Like, oh, welcome to the ball game, UCLA. Yeah,
0: I guess the seasons for UCLA started this weekend. Uh um, <laughs> yeah, sure. But I was stunned. I was stunned by this result. I was stunned by them taking all six singles. They only dropped one set in the entire match that happened after the match was already clinched. I mean, you kind of uh, rattled off some of those score lines. Yes. Cal was without uh we but that was essentially a straight line replacement, right? They brought in McKenna Teal there at five. Everyone else was in the same position other than some switching that would have been above. We So that had no bearing on the outcome of this match. This was just a, a shocking, uh, shocking upset. Um, and now you wonder like, okay, Cal, you know, coming off, you know, you know, they lose to Pepperdine indoors. They lose to Texas at indoors. Well, though, you know, those are understandable losses. They had lost to Michigan. Now they lose to UCLA. I don't know what's up and what's down anymore with this Cal team. Um, so, but just what a win needed for UCLA, um, and, and credit to
1: them for bouncing back after a historically dismal start. Yeah, no, look, for this Cal team, they're young. They're so young. And the highs are highs and the low are low. And, you know, again, they're trying to... Well, it's Teal at five singles here this week. And, you know, again, in, in place for Weirsholm And Moller, yes, yeah, she loses her match two and three. But, again... She is the battler. She's the grinder. The real takeaway for me was UCLA up top. Again, if Abby Forbes is going to start playing like Abby freaking Forbes, a player who's been number one in the country, a one-in-one win over Giovara, that's what Abby Forbes is capable of doing. And then Alicia Bolton at two, you feel like whichever one of them at two is playing should always be the favorite heading into the match. And for Alicia Bolton to get that three-and-two victory over the freshman Al Sola, that's just a step in the right direction. Doubles, they still got to play around with, for sure. But UCLA starting around into form on the Cal side, I, I still don't feel any worse about them. Like, again, having seen them play in person, I just think that's the game styles they play. It's just going to be a lot of close matches because they do play physical tennis. you got a lot of, you know, grinders, I think. Of, well, it's just actually fascinating because of the contrast and styles of play up and down their lineup. And so I, it's just very high variance. It's very fun.
0: Yeah, well, they play a lot of close matches, but not against UCLA. <laughs> I mean, that <laughs> was not close. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. I think we need to, we, we didn't know much about this Cal team coming into the season, right? Sure. Was, you know, they seemed to kind of peak towards the end of last season, uh, made the round of 16. Coming into this season, knew they were talented, not sure what to expect. So, I think you're right. I think we should expect to see some highs, some lows. And um, and some in between. And I think that's what we're getting here as they kind of figure out the pieces, but just surprising in the manner in which UCLA took the match. I would say I was expecting when they took six first sets, you're expecting to see more of a fight back in those second sets um, that we didn't see. So, you know, Cal gets another good test uh, upcoming. So we'll continue to see them tested uh, like we've talked about. And ultimately just, I mean,
1: Couldn't have been a more needed win for UCLA as they look to the postseason in May. Absolutely. And so with that in mind, one more team I want to talk about, or a couple more teams I want to talk about here before we get to our interview today. Um, Let's talk about some teams coming out of the indoors. We certainly had some question marks about, and, you know, you look at some results this weekend. Let's start with ODU, who, you know, again, glass half full. They get a 4-1 victory over Virginia Tech. That's good. Certainly, though, given their start to the season, you would have listed them as a favorite heading into their match against Kansas. And, yes, that match was at Kansas, let's be clear. But, you know, for this ODU team to have taken the doubles point against Kansas but drop four singles matches and they ultimately drop a 4-2 match there, you just feel like, again, given they're not in a Power 5 conference, that match certainly hurts. Now, I still think they've got momentum on their side. And, again, it was a good bounce back against Virginia Tech. But where are you at with ODU? Well, not high, (laughs) like not where I was a few weeks ago. Um,
0: You know, I I think it's tough, right? I mean, they they didn't have the indoors that they were looking for. They at least came away with a victory. Uh, And you're right, not being in a Power Five conference when you face a team like Kansas, that's a team you need to beat, particularly if they want to be a top 25 or flirt with the top 16 this season and to win dubs and not be able to find Uh, three singles victories is pretty surprising, particularly at the bottom of the lineup. We've been talking about ODU having some sneaky strength there. They've played a lot of these uh, higher ranked teams pretty close uh, in the bottom of the lineup or gotten victories there. They weren't, that was not the case against Kansas. So this could very well be a match that tells us ultimately a lot more about the strength of this Kansas team. I know you've been high on uh, since your interview with coach Chapman. But ultimately I think it's just a disappointing result for ODU um, who was hoping to bank some of these early season victories before they have to go and play uh, conference matches.
1: Yeah. And look, this was a close match. And you look for Kansas who goes three and O in first set tiebreakers. That was the difference is, you know, when Kansas takes two, three, and four, all tie first set tiebreakers simultaneously, it just felt like that was, you know, again, the pin in the balloon for ODU. Now startup Sava continues to be excellent at one. And that, you know, again, I think the most surprising result on the board was the loss by Yakubovich for ODU at six to lose that match one in three against Lagarde. Just not what I would have expected given Yakubovich's success here to start the season, but. That hurts. That really hurts when you lose three first set tiebreakers simultaneously. That happens. Now, again, on the flip side, they did bounce back and they do get a win over Virginia Tech. And they do it pretty pretty dominantly. You take uh, doubles, you take one, two and three in straight sets. That's what you need to do if you're ODU against a power five conference foe. But I don't know. I'm not hitting the panic meter. That said, certainly you just feel like between Kansas, Miami, Florida and Virginia Tech, they needed to probably go two and two at least like, and they end up going one and three. And, you know, again, at the national indoors uh, you add the one and two there fine. They're definitely in the ball game. Like that's for sure. Given their kickoff weekend, but it's just going to be interesting to monitor how they rise and fall throughout the course of the year on the flip side. Let's talk about Washington who loses a five, two match to Notre Dame. Now they also got a bounce back 4 three victory over Purdue. Where are you at with the Huskies who, by the way, beautiful, Nordstrom Tennis Center. Yes. Um, you know, beautiful location there in Seattle. I uh, love
0: Seattle. It was great. <laughs> sorry. Go on. Um, good. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Hopefully a tad
1: warmer than Madison. Uh, it, I- so I'm glad you brought this up. Yes, I got to walk around in a sweatshirt outside, which is just like prime me. A hoodie, hoodie Gruskin. Let me tell you, that's that's me in my finest. I mean, and look at the, you now, inside, outside. Yeah, Hoodies. exactly. And just again, it was a city. Everything's uphill, but it's on the water. It's just, I was like, oh yeah, West Coast. I hadn't been out there in a while. <laughs> yeah, welcome. I'm glad you enjoyed your time. <laughs> um, it was fun to have you on the Okay, Pacific. Now, I will say that that is horrifying. Pacific time just does not compute to me. I'm like, you guys are just so behind. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It,
0: it's much easier. Like when you go out on the East coast and you're ahead and you're feeling good about yourself and all of a sudden here you wake up and it's like four hours, three, three hours have passed. You feel five hours behind. It's, it can be difficult. Yeah. Um. But Washington. um. Yeah. I mean, look, Notre Dame is a good team. I think they're going to be sneaky good throughout the season. So I'm not that disappointed in the loss, um, but look, I mean, it, this is just be, I mean, they're going to love that UCLA win over Cal. Yeah. That's going to appreciate very well for them. Um, but look, I mean, this was a team that struggled at indoors and, you know, you're looking for some of these bounce backs. And certainly if you want to compete with the top of the PAC 12, right, you need to get the win over Notre Dame. So um, Overall, I think they have still have the talent. I know they have some players who are getting back into the lineup, but ultimately, you know, I think a disappointing result for Washington who would love to bank some ACC points.
1: Yeah, it was a glass half full Is well. UCLA beat Cal and we beat UCLA. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely. And, you know, again, they're another team you throw into that mix in the Pac-12 who's going to be hungry to get a win over those, you know, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, USC types. It's going to be really interesting to watch the Pac-12 unfold because, again, I think Arizona is not bad either. And I just think there's some depth there in the conference that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, with all of that said, one more team I want to talk about, and perhaps I'm not going to say our team of the week, but a team who certainly continues to deliver the goods thus far early in the season is Oklahoma State, who earns that 4-1 victory over USC and earns uh, you know a 4-0 victory over Tulsa as well. Uh, you know, I just think when you look for this Oklahoma State team, considering they're five and zero at the one double spot, and I think five and one at two doubles, and they just got uh, their number one singles player back as well. I've been impressed with the Cowgirls, who outside of a loss to Ohio State on the kickoff weekend in Columbus, they haven't lost.
0: Yeah, and this was one of the teams, along with Oklahoma, where it was almost like, "Hey, Oklahoma's going to be good this this season." The the state, right? Um, and Oklahoma yeah. State has, has found a lot of pieces. They've brought in, um, you know, the two freshmen um, have been stellar for them in the lineup. Obviously, bringing Lisa Marie Rue back, um, that was an interesting uh, turn of events. You know, she was gone last season. She's now back um, with the Cowgirls this season. So it was a great win for them over USC, particularly at number one again to take the win over Cayetano. Overall, just super impressive from the Cowgirls, who has a lot of talent on this team. They're also missing uh, one of their top contributors from last season, which seems to be a theme right now for a lot of these teams. Uh, But I mean, Chris, Chris Young has been building back to where they were in 2016. Right. And so uh, this is clearly a step in the right direction, you know spoiler alert this is going to be a top 15 team uh when the rankings come out so you know you mentioned their only loss to ohio state in columbus and man ohio state was just playing lights out that weekend i'm not sure who would have beaten them and they were without lisa marie Rio, you know that weekend as well good point yeah exactly so you know they're finding the pieces and there is another team you talk about the big 12 i mean they're going to be right in there they've got you know, they've got freaking pepperdine at the end of the season as well.
1: Like um it's gonna be pretty impressive. No, I would completely agree with you. And I I do think they're a top sixteen team right now. I can tell you they were on my USDA ballot and It's, you know, again, Swanka is undefeated at the number two single spot and Rojas at six undefeated. They're both freshmen. And, you know, again, they the only doubles point they've lost on the season. And They haven't played the most rigorous schedule, but win over Princeton and obviously the win over LSU. And now the wins here over a Tulsa team that had only lost to North Carolina and a USC team that was at the national indoors this team belongs in the mix and, you know, they've got the blue gray classic coming up this weekend and will Alana Wolfberg play for them? Will she not play? That was a question I was curious to ask. And so I'm so fortunate to have had the chance to ask that question to perhaps the man best suited to answer it. Oklahoma state women's tennis head coach, Chris Young, who joins us on today's show to chat about his team's weekend against, you know, USC and Tulsa, the upcoming blue gray classic that they're playing the status of Alana Wolfberg and so much, more you can catch the complete interview tomorrow on the cracked interviews podcast but of course we have a snippet of that interview for all of you now with that said super producer Danny westoff let's get to my conversation with oklahoma state women's tennis head coach chris young Joining us on the show once again today is a returning champion here on our Crack Rackets podcast. Of course, you know him best as the head coach of the Oklahoma State women's tennis team, a coach coming off of a 2-0 weekend with wins over USC and Tulsa. It's my friend Chris Young. Coach, congratulations on the victories. How are you doing
2: today? Oh, I'm doing good as you uh, talked to me about off the air. It's nice to talk to you after a couple big wins. So uh, (laughs) thanks for, for having me on at the right time.
1: Oh absolutely and we obviously had the chance to speak this off season and you talked to you know Uh, a quiet confidence in your group coming into this year and there were a bunch of new faces but obviously I want to lock in on this weekend in particular you get a 4-1 victory over a USC team that obviously you're going to be competing very hard with for one of those top 16 seeds and you know again to get that victory to follow it up with a 4-0 win over Tulsa you take the doubles point in both matches as well how are you feeling coming off of the weekend
2: you know I'm feeling good. I think our team um, is continuing to improve. That's the biggest thing. We have uh, four freshmen that are seeing significant time in the lineup, and obviously with adding Lisa Marie back in after not being there last year, um, you know we've we've had five kids that weren't a part of the team last year that are getting a lot of experience, and so uh, just trying to you know allow them to grow. Um, fortunately, we didn't have Lisa when we went to the kickoff weekend at Ohio State and that's our only loss but that's a quality team there Um, and since then I think that we've rebounded with five wins and only given up one point um, you know one match away in those five wins and all those teams uh, that we've played I think our schedule has been really solid Um, so uh, we haven't really had any matches where um, you can take a breath and, you know, it only will continue throughout the rest of our schedule this weekend and then getting into conference. So
1: Absolutely. And, you know, again, everyone's had success, as you point out, you're 23 and six overall in singles, which not too bad for whatever it's worth. But in particular, two of the freshmen, Mai and Sophia playing, you know, two and five. You know, six primarily. They're undefeated thus far to start their college dual match career. And I'm curious, obviously you've had a lot of good freshmen, a lot of good players come through, but what is it about these two that have allowed them to, you know, have this success? You look in particular this weekend for my to get a four and two win over someone like Selma Ewing. That is obviously a heck of a victory.
2: Yeah, you know, Maya is obviously very talented. I'd say she's, you know, one of the most talented kids we've had here, and we've had some real talented ones. Um, you know, we had a Victoria Leshkova come in as a freshman and win her first 16 matches, and, you know, she only played the spring semester her freshman year and was an All-American, which is extremely tough to do. Um, but I think, you know, Maya's somebody we're very fortunate that we have Lisa um, playing number one that allows a freshman like Maya to be able to play number two and you know kind of get that experience although she played one in the kickoff weekend and had to play you know uh arena and you know carrington so she's she's been able to play some of the best players and even the vegas tournament i think kind of was her coming out party i would say for a lot of people nationally um she got to the finals there she had some really good wins lost a really tough match to fakuda um and that that's always a really good tournament and you know, you just look at what she's done. Um, I think <clears throat> the biggest thing that we kind of laugh about here is she she has an, another gear when the matches get tied. And you saw that in doubles. I don't know if anybody can go back or was watching our USC doubles point. But, you know, we served for one doubles, 5-3, deuce, lost it, lost some momentum, down 6-5, came back tied at 6-all. And the first three points of that tiebreaker, especially the first two points, where some of the best doubles points that you'll see as far as just athleticism, my made some just amazing pickups and half volleys, and just kind of took those two points over. And she has that way, even as a freshman of having another gear. So I would say the thing about her and then you ask about Sophia is the way that these kids work, you know, every day they're putting in extra work. They're the ones that are always asking me for more, 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 and it shows up in their results. Yeah, no, I mean,
1: again, you look for your team six and one to start the year and, you know, you don't even still have the full complements of the roster. And, you know, I have to ask, how's Alana doing? Are we going to get
2: the chance to hopefully see her on court sometime soon? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think a lot of people forgot that she's, yeah. uh, you know, she's there and we've been doing it without her. But she is on court. She has been cleared. Um, you will see her at some point at the Blue Gray this this okay. this weekend. Um, we're still kind of trying to decide what that's going to be. If That's going to be doubles only this weekend. That's going to be singles a little bit, to be honest. I mean, she, in practice right now, she's one of our better players. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, um, going to be challenging for me putting that lineup together. Once she's in there, we're making her, you know, work her way back, work her way back slowly. She battled through an injury all last year as, you know, as just a champ about it, but we, um you know had her have the surgery this uh this fall and you know she's a kid that entered the fall season the 40th ranked singles player in the country mm-hmm. and so if you put her into the the mix healthy um you know i think our lineup is as deep as anybody and i think she's going to definitely help our doubles i think our 1 and 2 doubles has been very strong you saw that um this weekend and you know lisa and, and ayumi are two girls that 2 years ago were all Americans and ranked as highest as four in the country and they've they're undefeated again. Right now at two doubles, I think Alana and um, you know, Orpana at three doubles would be would be somebody that'd be very formidable or you know, whoever we, we put her with. Um and then, you know, I think we have a two weeks off after this weekend before Big Twelve play. And then I would expect her to be um fully in the lineup by the time we start conference play.
1: Now that's something for us to get excited about, and obviously that depth's going to be so important and I know you're a competitor. I know you're watching around the country, seeing what some of these other teams are doing, obviously, a conference foe and an in state rival in Oklahoma makes the national indoor final, and you know Baylor's off to a strong start this season. You look at the rosters at Iowa State and Texas Tech had a really good weekend as well. You guys had a great weekend. The race to be a top 16 seed is going to be brutal this season. And I'm curious, again, are you taking note of the success, you know, for Oklahoma for their run here? Texas, obviously, an NCAA title last spring as well. What does that success do for you guys at Oklahoma State?
2: Yeah, I think that it helps everybody in the the conference when the conference is strong. And, And Oklahoma and Texas, as you mentioned, Baylor, you know, Kansas had a really good win over Old Dominion. Uh, this weekend, uh, Texas Tech had a really good win over um, Ole Miss. So I think the Big 12 is uh, is is going to s- sneaky good. You know, I think that people have always known it's a good league. This could be, you know, one of the better ones. And uh, I think that it's a credit to everybody in the league. I think the great coaches that we have, the people that are putting in the time. And, um, you know, we want to do our part as well. And I think when you get these non-conference matches like we had this weekend with the USC, you know, I think Tulsa's, uh, was a very good win for us as well. I think you'll see when the rankings come out tomorrow, Tulsa is going to be pretty high, I I think. And, you know, their only loss coming in was to number one UNC. So it was a good weekend for us as well. And, um, you know, I think right now we're focusing on what we can do and we want to make sure that we finish the non-conference as strong as possible. I think going into the blue gray this weekend, um, we should be the top C, but there's, you know, eight, eight teams there that could all win it and do really well and will challenge us. And then you go into conference play and there's going to be no easy matches. I think there's um, every team in our league has a chance if they have a good conference schedule, um, you know, uh, do well in the conference matches to make the NCAA tournament. So um, that's good. Every match in the conference should count um, for you and you can't always say that some years. So I think that's important.
1: Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get on the National Indoor Seating Committee anytime soon, although I can knock on wood, but the Blue-Gray Seating Committee, there's got to be a seat for me.
2: I mean, I'm in blue. Yeah, I-, I could I- do it. I-, I think you should get on there. Uh, you yeah. know, there is a tournament committee person. We need to get you there covering it and then get you on the the committee. I think, you know, they're, gonna, they're waiting to just go straight off the rankings, so I'm not sure uh, there's much work to be done, but... I mean, hey, I think you can maybe mix it up a little bit. You can liven liven it up.
1: Oh, I would spice up the matchup. So, yeah, you know what I would be doing. Um, No, and last goofy one for you here. You guys bring USC to town. Later on in the year, Pepperdine's in town. Do you call first? Does Coach Cohen call first? Like, is it a Zoom call? What's the deal? Like, hey, it's the Oklahomas. We want to know, Pepperdine. Do you guys want to come to town? How does that work?
2: Well, you know, I have to say we've helped Oklahoma quite a bit this year with their schedule because of all these trips that we've had. And, you know, they've, they've done a good job this year. I think that'll help them schedule mm-hmm. um, in the future. But I think, you know, our program has been a step ahead as far as, um, you know, where, where we've been in the rankings and being able to set up these matchups. We've had a home-and-home home with Pepperdine for some time. We, we went and played at USC last year with them coming back to us. Princeton came in. Um, you know, with us, South Carolina, Otis, a return trip, um, still do, um, by the way. And, um, you know, all those teams needed somebody else to play, and, and Oklahoma now has, um, you know, put themselves on the map to be able to pick up all those teams. You know, sometimes before they would want to pick up Oklahoma or maybe it was Tulsa, and so – um, yeah, I'm expecting a present from from Audrey here pretty soon for helping uh, make out their schedule.
1: Yes, whatever the Oklahoma delicacy is, uh, the yeah, expect a box of it headed your okay. way. All right, I'm, I'm I'm gonna count on you to make that. happen. I'll communicate the message. I like it, but no, as always, Coach. Congratulations on another fantastic weekend, and obviously, good luck to your team here at Blue Gray. Thank you. Thank you again to Oklahoma State Women's Tennis Head Coach Chris Young for taking the time to chat. You can hear my complete conversation with him tomorrow on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. And again, for the Oklahoma State Cowgirls, they go uh, victories 4-1 over USC, 4-0 over Tulsa, believes now 6-1 and on the season. Going to be fascinating to see where they end up in our first computer rankings of the year. With that in mind, let's get to the best of the rest of the past week in Division I women's college tennis. Start with the Wolverines. Up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, 7-0 victory over Princeton. Now, as a Princeton team, down a couple of starters, but you look for the Wolverines. Not only do they take the doubles point, sweep all three doubles positions, but straight set win for Jaden Brown at two. Straight set win for Andrea Cerdan at four. Straight set win for freshman Julia Fliegner at five as well. They ultimately get three set wins in the matches where uh, at one, three, and six. Kari Miller, a 6-4 in the third set victory over Vicky who she continues to prove. She's certainly top 20, if not better, sort of player this season. I like the Wolverines. They're deep. They've got options. It feels like they still have room to get better as well, and they have gotten better. God, the National Indoor has been great for this young team, but that's a good win over a Princeton team that's starting to find its rhythm despite the injuries.
0: Yeah, well, you know who doesn't want to see Cal tumble down the rankings is this Michigan team, uh, right, who was banking on that being essentially their de facto indoors. Um, But, yeah, I mean, good win for Michigan. Uh, Disappointing to see Princeton not at full health uh, without Freeman, without Howard. You know, uh, Michigan's got a good test this weekend, so I'm looking forward to seeing how good this Michigan team is, and
1: uh, that will tell us a lot about how they will compete against Ohio State in the Big Ten. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Pepperdine coming to town—it's certainly going to be a uh, fun one. So we will keep that in mind, and then, uh, of course, yeah. Now we had, uh, you know, another result we had on the board. As great as Michigan has been, UCF, who's down a couple, uh, you know, down Zaleva, you know, they struggled. And you look for them this weekend. Four-one loss to FIU, five-zero loss to Miami. Where are you at with the Golden Knights?
0: Things are not going well down in Orlando. Um, You know, they were out with, uh, they were missing Zaleva this weekend. Uh, Losing to FIU is is not a a victor, is not a loss that UCF is used to taking. Uh, This is a team that made, you know, the NCAAs last year on their home courts. Um, Pretty disappointing start to the season. And um, I don't know what else to say, the, the talent is there on the
1: roster. They have just have not been able to deliver. Yeah. No, sorry for laughing. Someone who's tuning into the show, they know who they are. Send me a funny text. Um, Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And, you know, again, for Coach Koneko this season, you know, last year was such a great year, right? They played Duke so close. They were a heartbeat away from the quarterfinals and, you know, it just – it's been bad breaks for them. There's just no denying that here to start the season. And you look for this UCF team now four and four overall on the year. Well, what do they have left on the board? They still have Oklahoma, Baylor, Michigan, Texas, B-Y, you know, Michigan, Texas, excuse me, all coming to town. Oklahoma States coming to town as well. They've got chances to get that run back. And again, how healthy will they be? That's the question I'd, It's tough. I mean, can they win the conference, make the NCAA tournament still? Absolutely. Are they in the mix for a top 16 seed? I don't know. Too little, too late?
0: Well, no, because they have those chances, right? I mean, look, if they ran the table, they'd be a top 10 team.
1: Uh, The problem is now it probably is have to run the table.
0: Well, you know, if they get two to three of those victories, you know, that's going to put them in fighting distance of the top 16 um, but yeah, I mean, this is a team that started the, the preseason ended the season, I think in the top 10 last year. And now I think in the rankings this week will be, be quite low. Um, so they will, they, they scheduled right. And they're going to get the test that they need, but ultimately,
1: um, things just aren't on the right track there in Orlando. Yeah. Fair. Now let's move on to our next one. Then team that has been sneaky good here this year, Texas Tech. Another good victory for them. 4-0 over Ole Miss. You look at what the Raiders have been able to do here this season. They, you know, earned the victory kickoff weekend 4-0 over South Carolina before getting knocked off uh, by Texas A&M. But, you know, wins over Houston, win over Ole Miss. Haven't really been quite tested. I suppose they've done what they have supposed to do here to start the season. But you look for them coming up. Blue-gray classic event this weekend Oklahoma State's in the field there and Alabama's in the field there a ton of good schools in the mix you know then we get into big 12 play we'll certainly we'll see how they are but thus far I think they've answered all of the questions that been asked of them yeah I mean they've only lost that one
0: match to AM, right so we'll yeah. continue to learn more about this team this is a team that has a lot of talent at the top of the lineup um, good win over Ole Miss always good when you can bank some SEC points so you know I'm excited to see how this team competes in the Big 12. I mean, the Big 12 is clearly a conference that has, you know, a ton of kind of this, that SEC type, like 16 through 30 type teams uh, that will be really beneficial.
1: And and we'll learn a lot about them uh, in the coming weeks. Even this weekend, no, there's a big swing weekend in terms of their top 16 prospects. April 1st, April 3rd, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma come to town. If they can go one and one that weekend, now you're talking about a team that can absolutely be a top 16 seed. If things are, those in land. Lubbock, those are both in Lubbock. Yeah, well, both teams okay. come to town. Well, we yeah, know the upsides happen in Lubbock. Yeah, exactly. Getting that altitude, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, you look beyond that. Good win for Wake Forest, I thought, 5-2 over Furman. Certainly Furman, I thought, played a really good match against Oklahoma in the kickoff weekend. And, you know, you look for this Wake Forest team who, yeah, they lost in the kickoff weekend to NC State, but just about everyone has lost to NC State. And you look for them, they take the doubles point, they get wins at one, at three, at four, you know, five as well. We're in a third set breaker on six. It was it was just a, a good performance for Wake across the board. You know, you look at the ACC, yeah, North Carolina, NC State Virginia, they feel like they're on a, at Duke, you know, right in the mix there as well. But you look at this Wake Force team, I just think the depth is there once again in that conference.
0: Yeah, and doubles too, right? They have a yeah. few really good doubles teams. Uh this is a team that this week's rankings will have them in the top 25. I think that that feels right given kind of the wins that they've had. Yes. They lost to NC state. Yes. They lost to Tennessee, but other than that, uh, they've been really solid.
1: So, you know, they're getting a lot of looks in the ACC this season. Absolutely. And then, you know, the only other result I would add to the mix there and it sets up, you know, some of our week ahead is you look for, uh, Baylor four, three win over Mississippi state four Oh, win six, uh, one win, excuse me, over SMU sets up a big match this weekend for them as they travel, I believe to Florida, You know, that's a fascinating one, because, again, you talk about this Big 12, the depth that's in the conference this season. If Baylor gets a win over Florida, now that helps everyone else out in the conference as well. Blue, gray, classic. Plenty of fun stuff for us to keep an eye on. Any other results we missed? Any other things caught your eye throughout the course of this weekend? I would only shout out FIU. We talked about um, their win over
0: UCF, but they were coming off a 4-3 win over North Florida came down to 8-6 in the third set tie break at number four singles. So always love to give a shout-out to these 4-3 matches that come down to a third set buster.
1: No, absolutely. I know Super Producer Daniel Westhoff will be angry if, at me if I don't give a shout-out to his Billikins St. Louis back-to-back 4-0-4-1 victories over UMSL, which I believe Missouri St. Louis. So it's a happy day in CRHQ when the Billikins have success. Yeah, it was another fun week of women's college tennis action. With all of that in mind, let's get to our top ten coming out of this week. And I guess we're calling it week five here of the college tennis season. Now we apologize to all of you in advance. We have some ties here. In our Crack Rackets top ten poll, that's because right now it's a poll of only two voters, Jay and myself, and we're splitting the difference in a bunch of places right now. What we're going to do moving forward to alleviate those ties? Super producer Daniel Westoff's going to break them. He's going to go with his gut. We've learned here at Crack Rackets HQ never doubt Daniel Westoff's gut instincts. So thus, you know, moving forward, if you get angry at CR producer, I want to see as much hate mail as possible sent his way. Um, but you look at our poll this week, pretty static in my opinion. Now, North Carolina stays at number one for obvious reasons. Oklahoma two, NC State three. Is it too late for Coach Cohen, Coach Earnshaw to schedule an Oklahoma-NC State matchup? I don't think so. Like, throw it out there. Come on. We all want to see it. You both want to play it. Who who loses in that scenario? After that, it's a big tie for fourth. Pepperdine, Virginia, Texas, still no differentiation. That's the same as last week. Georgia seven, and eight. We split the difference on Ohio State and Duke. You'll say, Alex, Duke beat Ohio State 4-3 at home. I'll say, yeah, it's a home match. And look at how well the Buckeyes have played since then. I feel pretty good directionally, though, still, about all of these rankings, about the tiers between them. And I actually kind of, like, again, I know North Carolina is number one right now. I feel like it, I just it, it's really an any given day sort of thing with the top of this poll.
0: Yeah, I mean... UNC deserves to be number one, right? They are undefeated. They won indoors. I think the question is like, is it more of a tie at two and three of which I would say, sure. You want to say Oklahoma and NC state are tied. I have no issue with that. I think we might have these teams flipped from what the rankings will say. So that'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think uh, these make a lot of sense. I mean, the one thing to note here is Cal did drop out, right? Of the top 10. So that's where you see some of these teams move up. And, um, if, if you're a fan of spoilers when it comes to the rankings, which I am, you know, you talk about our debate over Ohio state and Duke, I'll tell you who loves Ohio state. The computer rankings. rankings. Yeah. Computer rankings.
1: Well, you know, they call me Alex computer ranking Gruskin. So, <laughs> I, I spend so much time on college tennis ranks and you just, it, I, you know, it soaks in, um, yeah, and again, you talk about some of these matchups. We're going to get to see Ohio State tested. Are they as beloved as the rankings seem to be? And we'll see those new rankings, by the way, tomorrow. But let's get to our week ahead here now. And again, congratulations, I suppose, to the top 10 teams. Until all these teams are posting that they're in the Crack Rackets top 10, we haven't officially made it. So if you're out there, come on, just throw the graphic up. Why not? Make our day. That was a big faux pas for us to remove Cal then. Yeah. Cal did give the shout-out last week. I know. Uh, that's a good call. It's a good point by you, but see, it means we're unsullied by bias. It means we stick to our guns here at crack rackets, but let's talk about the week ahead. Jay, bunch of good ones on the board. We've got some we're going to feature here on a crack rackets broadcast. I'll get to that in a bit, but first, what are you watching most closely? Well, the first one I'll be watching in person is
0: the Texas trip out West. Uh, Texas is taking on Stanford and Cal this weekend, uh, Friday, Sunday, I believe in that order, So this is going to be, obviously, these are our top matches. Texas looking to bounce back against that loss to NC State and disappointing indoors. This could not be bigger for Stanford. I mean, you talk about a team that's been totally boxed out of the rankings right now. They're not going to be in the top 25 next week, and they're not even going to be in the top 50. So they need this win badly. And particularly, there doesn't feel like there are going to be a lot of points floating around the Pac-12 You know, with UCLA, with Cal, um, so that they need Stanford needs this win badly. And it's going to be a test against two young teams. Right. You like to talk about how young defending national champion Texas is, but but Stanford's even younger. Right. You look at the freshmen that are anchoring that top of the lineup. So that's going to be a fascinating matchup. And then Texas gets a rematch against
1: Cal on Sunday uh, from the, the indoors. Peyton Stearns, Connie Ma is must-watch. It's must-watch. If you're a college tennis fan, pop it on your screen because, yeah, that's a potential NCAA quarterfinal, like, single sort of match come May. And I it's agree a I very think. it, it. Uh, contrast, contrast and styles. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. And again, Yepa Nova against Kylie Collins. That's a lot of firepower and just, you know, number three singles right now. How does Shavata Pan respond? There are a lot of storylines in that one. And then, yeah, they get Cal that Sunday as well as the West Coast trip for Texas. Uh, certainly, you know, we talk about that urgency in the Pac-12 right now. USC, UCLA this weekend, like always a special affair when the Trojans and uh, the Bruins go head to head. But, for this one in particular, given the I don't want to say desperation, but the urgency for both teams to get a ranked win right now. Which way are you leaning in that one?
0: I don't know how I pick. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think I have to pick UCLA in that one because I think UCLA has the firepower to at least take one of the top two, and if they can mitigate USC from running away with like the three of the top three, then. You know the the freshmen seem like they're starting to play well for Ucla so if they can find wins at four five and six doubles is anyone's anyone's bet both teams look like they're struggling there but ultimately I gotta lean the Bruins which was just be a, a total turn of events over the last few
1: weeks my pick is 4 three and I forget who's at home is it us Ucla's at home right? I think so. Yeah. For that reason alone, you would favor UCLA. Like that would be my only inclination. Other than that, I agree. Complete pick them there in an early decisive match for both of these teams. Just because if you're UCLA, you beat Cal, you beat USC back to back. Now you've steadied the ship. Now you're trending in the direction you want to trend for the Pac-12 conference play. All eyes in on that one. And then let's talk about what Pepperdine's doing this week, making a Midwest swing. They had two Ann Arbor on Friday to take on Michigan. Then they had two Columbus against Ohio State on Sunday, a match that we will have on our broadcast here on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. I'll get to that in a second. Jay, another fun weekend for the waves.
0: Yeah, this is huge. We've talked about these trips that Pepperdine is making this trip through the Midwest, an end of uh regular season push through Oklahoma. In the beginning of the season, I loved it. In retrospect, I'm wondering, man, (laughs) does Pepperdine want to just stay outside right now, Uh, particularly after indoors? But, I mean, look, they're going to be tested against two teams that can know how to play indoor tennis. It'll be very interesting to see what Pepperdine shows up. It felt like they were running a little hot and cold uh, at the start of indoors. So I'm fascinated to see both of these matchups, Uh, particularly Michigan, I feel like is the biggest question mark to me right now in terms of like, are they at the Ohio state Pepperdine like level, or are we just more like top 20 uh, top 25? So it should be really good. And what a good opportunity as well for if one of the big 10 teams gets a win more points floating through the big 10. So we'll see. It's gonna be
1: fascinating. Yeah. It's going to be really, really fun. And so again, we'll keep our eyes on that matchup. And again, An announcement, I suppose, or a reminder for all of you fans. We are going to have broadcasts here each and every weekend on our crack Rackets YouTube channels. We are thrilled to be covering the big 10 conference play every Sunday as part of our red zone coverage of the 2022 college tennis season. This Sunday, kicking off our matchups. Obviously we are amped to have that Pepperdine at Ohio state matchup. We've got Cornell at Illinois, a little Butler and Illinois state at Purdue action Xavier at Indiana as well. Those are our women's matches for Sunday. Of course, we'll talk about the men on Thursday's episode of The Deciding Point. We also really excited to announce that we're going to be doing the same for the SEC. Now, that SEC broadcast day right now scheduled for Sunday. Still have a few moving parts there, but we're really excited to be featuring the action again. Baylor at Florida, something we are going to be able to have this Friday. So all of you listeners better tune in. Baylor. Friday? No, no. I, I super producer Daniel Westhoff's yelling at me. Our Big Ten action is on Sunday. Baylor at Florida. That SEC action going to be every Friday. Uh, again, we still got some moving parts here uh, that we're trying to work out, but super excited for all of that action. And again, you're going to be able to tune in every weekend throughout the course of this college tennis season. As we try to bring our college tennis community together, try to broadcast these matches. As we all know, the quality of these matches, quality of college tennis has never been better with all that said, Jay, any final thoughts, any final reflections from another fantastic week in college tennis. I have to make sure I get this right. Friday, SEC SEC. Sunday, Sunday
0: red zone coverage that has big 10 coverage.
1: Yes, Friday, thank you. Very well said. Friday, SEC red zone coverage. You're gonna be able to find that on the on all of the team websites. That's an SEC thing. We can explain those logistics more as we go along. But the SEC broadcast gonna be available on all of the team websites, our Big Ten broadcast going to be available here on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Look for more explainers on our Crack Rackets Twitter feed at Crack Rackets on Instagram, as well as we explain where you can find all of our coverage as we try to amplify what is always a fantastic college tennis world. With that said, final thoughts, my friend? That's it. I mean, we're full fledged in the regular season now. So
0: we get a few more non-conference weekends here before everyone kind of uh, gets locked into their conference schedule,
1: but it's exciting times. Yeah. Now we rock and roll. And again, with all of that said, a huge shout out to the college tennis community for embracing us here at Crack Rackets these past two weeks to be able to cover and bring to you the action happening at the national indoors. It's a dream come true. I know I keep saying it. It makes it, it's not a job. This is too much fun uh, to be considered real work. So a huge thing. Thank you to the ITA for making that a possibility, a huge, the biggest thank you to super producer Danny Westhoff again. You think it's hard to talk for 13 hours. Imagine managing a broadcast, listening to someone barking orders sporadically every two minutes and misspeaking as he's doing it. He finds a way to make it all look seamless. Shout out to the super producer, best in the business for more coverage of the college tennis world. Tune in here Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time for our men's edition. We'll recap the men's national indoors. Likely talk to some member of the TCU team here on the stream as well. It'll be Chris Halliores, Matt Stakowiak joining us there. All all of the action all the coverage all of the content available on the website crackrackets.com. like rate subscribe review share with your friends with all of that said for my fantastic co-host john j parsons our super producer daniel westoff and all of us here at both crack rackets and the Tennis channel podcast network a shout out to swing vision by the way and i thank you to them as well but with that said i'm your host alex gruskin jay what do we tell the people hey great shot and we will see you all thursday thanks everyone